Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Say, so, hey, I am the Rock God Podcasting, Charles McFall, and I am back with another show today. I've been getting some great feedback from people who are listening, and thank you. Thank you for telling me you like the show. Thank you for telling me what you're getting out of it. I love that. Email me, bearcrawling at gmail.com. Go to rockgodpodcasting.com. And there's a speak pipe right there. You just click on it. Any device with a microphone, that's your phone, there's your tablet, that's your computer, anything with a microphone that you can allow, you can leave a 90-second message, and we'd love to use it in the show and play it. And, of course, Facebook.com forward slash Rock Out of Podcasting. Twitter's at Rock Out of Pod. Thank you again for all the great feedback. Now, we do pay a few bills around here, and one of the things I'd like to say is go to MikeAtTheMic.com. He is my awesome producer and showrunner here and does a lot of great voiceover work, and he has put together the intro for the show. He feeds me the question each week, and he keeps me going every week when I'm not sure I even want to get up and get on the microphone. <laughs> so what do we have today? Hey, Charles, this is Bobby Blackwell from the Bobby Blackwell Show at the Voice of Geeks Network at vognetwork.com. Look, I am born and raised here in the Atlanta area, and I know you're here in Atlanta, and I love my city. I love where I'm from. I want to hear what you love about Atlanta, being in Atlanta, and your time here in Atlanta. I want to hear the positive stuff, what you love. Don't mention the traffic. I don't want to hear the negative stuff. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to talk about the traffic, but not in the way that you think, Bobby. But yes, thank you for that question, Bobby. Check him out. I've known him for a few years. Met him at the very first Dragon Con that I went to a couple of years ago, and we hit it off for both uh, locals and both are into podcasting big time and pushing networks up a hill because that's kind of how you build a network is pushing it up a hill and and have really really hit it off and his partner rob roberts uh has a question on that'll be on another show as well but he's a great guy also uh what do i love about atlanta well first let's let's us address the traffic i don't understand why everybody's such a crybaby about it there's a lot of people in a small space. You know, during certain traffic times, it's going to take you a minute to get somewhere. Sometimes people get in a rush, and that's the problem. People get in a rush, and that's what causes the accidents that causes everything to be delayed. You know, I, I don't know. I live outside of the city. You know, I live in the suburbs. I have to commute in. Everything is roughly 33 miles from my house. It, it's It's weird. Everything is about 30, well, 20-something miles, 33 minutes. I can go downtown. I can go south side. I can go north side. As long as it's not the west side, that is definitely further away from me than anything else. Is Yeah, I don't I don't understand, Bobby. I, I don't care why people are like, oh, the traffic. No, it's really not. Traffic flows. Sometimes there's a lot of people. Sometimes there's not. You know, sometimes it's stop and go. It happens. I've been in other cities where the traffic was well. I went to Chicago this past summer. I went to Chicago and I walked everywhere because, of course, I flew in and everything was right there around the hotel I was staying at. And I watched their traffic and I went, oh, hell no. I, I would never want to drive downtown Chicago. It's crazy. The traffic cams were going nuts. I mean, Mike was actually with me. We were walking up a couple of blocks to go see uh, the new Independence Day film. I kept noticing this flashing light. And I was like, what is that? I just, my mind has to solve what the hell that light is. And it turns out it's a traffic cam that it's about 35 miles an hour through that stretch of road. And apparently at 36 miles an hour, that thing triggers because there are people that to my naked eye, I would not say, I would never say they were speeding. They seem to be going at safe speed for that area. And yet that traffic cam was just tagging cars left and right. I was like, wow, man, that's, that's brutal. And then you're walking other places. We saw, <laughs> and this is on Chicago, we saw an intersection with a huge crosswalk, right? And people had the crossing sign. And this car was trying to pull out. And waiting appropriately for the people to cross on the crosswalk. And this taxi cab was right behind him, just laying on the horn, laying on the horn, went around him into oncoming traffic to then literally sit with his bumper against the people waiting for them to move across the crosswalk. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? And that, I don't see that in Atlanta. I know people do some stupid stuff. I've been shot at once. 
not personally. I mean, they didn't shoot at me. But I was coming home at one in the morning, as I do from my gigs on I-20. And this every weekend, the traffic will get less, of course, late at night. But it's still a Friday or Saturday night, and there's you know people out. Uh, but it's it's fairly spaced out. And every freaking weekend, there's somebody racing on I-20. Every weekend, it, it almost never fails. That have up oh, and here comes some more cars. Shoom, there they go. They're they're dumbasses and they're racing each other. Yeah, okay, it's slightly dangerous, sure, but I never feel threatened because I'm just driving along. As long as I keep doing what I'm doing, they're accounting for me. It's not a problem, and it never has been. And the time I got shot at was this, it was very close to when a whole lot of things were going on with riots about um, the police killing black men, black people. That's a whole nother show. That's a whole nother topic. But all of a sudden, I hear this car looks like it's racing and it comes flying around me and it's going down the road. I hear pop, pop. And at the same time, it took a second for my mind to process it, right? And I know what I processed was there was a hand out the window with a gun pointed in the air and they just fired off a weapon to scare people and one of the shells actually hit my window i didn't crack it or anything and yeah it, it, there's something about a gunshot that's different than a backfire i mean there's something instinctually you know maybe it's because my eye even though my brain hadn't fully consciously processed it maybe it's because my eye realized what it was i saw coming out the window and it was a good three car links up you know two or three car links up you know there was no real danger there these were just dumbasses who were who were fucking with people but yeah, I mean, I had an instinctual reaction to, oh shit, but I kept driving and I was like, huh, that just happened. And of course, I never told my wife about it because it just freaked her out. But the reality was there was no real danger there. And that's the thing. People get so scared. And this is going to lead me into what I love about the city. People get so scared of the city. I was raised to be scared of the city. I was born in Florida, in Orlando, Florida. I don't remember anything about that. At some point uh, in the first three years of my life, uh, we moved I think we moved somewhere before we moved to New Orleans, but we ended up moving to New Orleans to, my dad went to seminary just outside of New Orleans and in Kenner, a little little area called Kenner. That's where my sister was born. And I can start recalling some memories about that time. We didn't really do this with our kids, but this is an interesting thought. But at the same time, it's like, what is this setting up? You know, this is bribery or is this going to be bad? I, I don't know what lessons it might have taught my little three-year-old brain. But in order to help the transition of bringing my baby sister home, because I'd been the only kid for three years, my baby sister brought me a present. And I remember it being, this is, you're, you're talking about 1980, right? Literally 1980. <laughs> you're talking about, it was this slate board, like this chalkboard magnetic thing that was a, a almost like a briefcase type deal. And you'd open it up and have letters of the alphabet in it that were all magnets. And of course, you could write on the chalkboard, you could put the magnets on and learn your letters because, you know. As my mom for you, she was a licensed teacher and everything had to be educational. And, you know, but I, I remember liking it and I remember thinking it was cool uh, for as much as you can remember as a three year old. Right. But we're in we're in New Orleans and I barely remember that place. I remember we were about five when I left, uh, almost six. I was almost six when we left. So I kind of remember towards the end of it, I can recall more details of what was going on there. But yeah, so then we ended up in South Georgia and I'm talking about south georgia farmland south georgia a little town called camillo which i've told the stories about that was where the church that that threw us out was in and, and i told those stories in i think faith versus religion episode it was it was but what the reason i bring it up is i could safely walk places along quote-unquote major roads and there was one interstate right there's one highway that came through our town not interstate and that's a big i whatever no i'm sorry a highway a trucking route if you will that came through town and then you know i had to be really really careful my parents didn't really want me crossing with that but i could go on all the other roads before that and go you know this and that and the other and uh if i was on the other side of it which was uh where most of town was then if i was at the church which was the other side of the highway i could walk down the road to this pharmacy i could walk safely to places people knew who you were people knew who your parents were it was a very small town that's where i was raised for a a significant portion of my life and i remember you know of course my dad was a youth pastor then so of course it would be trips to six flags because that's where every teenager wants to go man all I can remember, which is not a lot of detail, but I just remember the, oh, uh, the city. We have to go. To, oh, my God. And it's mostly my mom. 
Yeah, I don't remember what my dad was like then as, as far as the city. Although he doesn't like crowds. He doesn't like Six Flags at all. He doesn't like crowds. He doesn't like the rides. But he takes people there because, you know, it's part of your job. And he, he likes he likes it. They like it. I mean, he took me there as a teenager, uh, as family, and would let me go on rides myself. Or uh, we would do stuff together, too, at some point. But the point is, I just remember everything was, oh, the city. Uh, and it was three hours away at that, that time, roughly. Roughly three hours to get to Atlanta. And it was just this big deal. And I was remembering just the horrible big city is all I can remember. And then we moved to a place called Tifton, which is closer to mid-Georgia. And then we moved to a place called Athens, which is on par as far as geographically. It's, it's slightly southeast of Atlanta, within an hour drive of Atlanta. Now, Athens, you want to talk about traffic. That place can be rough. And, and everybody thinks it's okay. I mean, there's the, they, Athens is a small, big town or a big, small town. Either way you want to say it. They have their own bypass. So there are many Atlanta. They have their own perimeter, right? And their own road that goes around the city. And then they have downtown. They have east side, what, you know, all that jazz. And there are definitely different stores in different places. But you try to go through downtown on any given day, it's, it can be bumper-to-bumper traffic. It can It's slow. The cops are a little brutal there. I'm not not meaning for, sorry, that's a bad choice of words for this time and age that we live in. Uh, strict. Strict is a better word. The cops can be very strict about the speed limits around the town. Uh, and, and you would stay to your side of town, not because of, <laughs> it felt, as I said, that felt like a gang war or something like that. No, it's just easy, you know. Every side of town has grocery stores, they have banks, they have things that you can stay on your side of town. Even crossing town became an ordeal, but God forbid game day, you ain't going nowhere on game day, man. Athens, Georgia is the home of University of Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs, and alumni come there, and, and it's so bad, that the parking and everything is so bad on game day that they passed a law because you can't park on sidewalks, it's illegal. Well, all the alumni who have money and and... I wouldn't say conspiratorially that they run the town, but we all know money runs everything. And alumni pour money into the college because they love it. Uh, they graduated from there. That's what alumni is. Not aluminum siding, but alumni. <laughs> and they probably pour money into politics. I mean, they, they, I'm sure they invest in where they came from. You know, that's part of what alumni does. They would park their big old Winnebago's and RVs on the sidewalk. They'd park their trucks on the sidewalk. And it was a the cops turned a blind eye. Because what are you gonna do when a hundreds when hundreds of people do it? You know, what are you gonna do? Start and they're alumni. I mean, God forbid you start being a rookie cop, start ticketing those things, you're gonna lose your job. I mean, that's the bottom line. You'll lose your job because the people with money will raise hell and the school will back them because they're pouring a lot of money into the school and the school is that city. Anyway, they passed a law that said on game day you can park on the sidewalk just to make it easier for everybody. But yeah, the traffic there is horrible. I mean, it's 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 a mini Atlanta, but it's not built to be Atlanta. So there's not a lot of side roads. There's not a ton of ways to get around. There's the perimeter, and they're straight through downtown. And there's probably a few little other ways here or there, but that's that's the heart of it. So when people talk about Atlanta traffic, I'm like, what what is wrong with you? And we lived there. We lived in Athens, and my mom was like, oh, the traffic, the people in Atlanta are crazy. Oh, I can't believe. I was like, what? so I lived with this fear of Atlanta, and then I was forced to get a job in Atlanta, going from Athens East Side. And if you want to get Google Maps, you can figure it out. But basically, the east side of Athens to North Side Drive in Atlanta. And I had to be there at 7 a.m. with this heavy traffic time. I would come up 316 if you're following on Google Maps. And this is for all the locals, too, because you know 316 at uh, 285 is a beast. 316 at 85 is a beast. It's a, no, it's a bitch. I mean, it's just, you. yeah, it's a lockdown. And so I had to be there at 7, so I had to come through heavy traffic time then. And then I had to, to leave at 5. Well, you know what it taught me was to find peace in the traffic. I mean, there was literally a section of road that it would take me roughly an hour to go a mile. So I found ways to entertain myself. This is pre-cell phone days. Well, 96, it was early cell phone, but I wasn't adopting cell phones. And even then, cell phones just made phone calls. Oh, my God. Can you remember when fucking cell phones just made fucking phone calls? Goddamn dark ages, man. What the hell? <laughs> but I started smoking cigars because I was of age and, 
and a friend of mine had introduced me to him. So for that hour ride, I just roll my windows down, light up a cigar, chat with my fellow car neighbor, move an inch up, you know, listen to the radio. Actually, I didn't have radio in that car, so that was miserable. But I learned that this this thing that everybody fears, this dark traffic, God, uh, it's just, it's not... It's not that bad. It really isn't. It's part of life. You just you just plug it in. So I understand by what you're saying about the traffic, but I wanted to I wanted to give that different perspective for a minute. Going, you just adjust to life. Life is what it is, and you flow. If you just fear it, it's because you don't understand it. Quite honestly, I've gotten my wife past that. She grew up afraid of the not afraid of the city as much as not wanting to drive in the city. Uh, I would say she's afraid of the traffic. I would say she's one of those people who complained about it. But life has forced her also to learn that. And there was a time when she just dropped me off at a MARTA station to go to the airport. Now she'll actually drop me off and pick me up at the airport. And she's gotten much more accustomed to it. Because that's the thing. You as a human being can learn. You can change. You can figure this out. With repetition, you become numb to it and you learn better ways around it. And now that we do have cell phones that have GPS apps on them, you can get around better. That's all I'm saying. So, But that does play into the fear of the city. So I, I just hated the city growing up because that's what I was taught. I honestly don't remember hearing that it was full of crime or anything like that because you would think, well, if you're taught the fear of the city where you taught gangsters and this no i mean I, I even to this day i don't remember hearing i'm sure we have gangs in atlanta because it's a a city that has a, a inner city right you get to a certain size you definitely have an inner city inner city not that it has to breed gangs but it, it tends to be a breeding ground i i see tags all over the city so most people don't tag unless they have a purpose to it i mean some people do it for the art i'm putting some clues together it says we probably have some gangs we definitely have thing people that run drugs in the city you know it's a city it happens i don't hear a ton of crime reports from the city i don't hear a ton. i mean when i was in chicago for a week they were talking about their murder toll and and how high it was uh, when I was flying to Israel a number of years ago, of course, they're talking about the bombings from Palestine and the, the shellings, rather, is what I'm trying to say, and, and different things like that. You don't hear that in Atlanta, and this is what I love about Atlanta. So here's where the rest of this is going to go. Man, I love the diversity. I, I love the green that is inside of the city. And I don't mean the weed dealers, <laughs> although that's not a bad thing. Uh, I mean, the, the, we have trees. We have parks all over the place. I love that while it is crowded, while there are a lot of people in the city working especially, man, you go two blocks over and it's this beautiful million-dollar neighborhood. And it's a million dollars because of location. I mean, the houses are decent, but outside of the city, the houses would be three, 400000 not millions, because it's location. But you have all these small sex, old Fourth Ward, man. You've got Vinings. You got Avondale Estates. You got, I mean, there's so many different areas that, as a, a rural guy, as a, uh, a working across areas kind of guy. So even when I was in Athens, I got a job on the west side. So I had to cross town to go get that, you know, go to that job. Uh, when I'm in Conyers, there's there's all kind of places I have to go across town. So I, I, I view a place as getting from one side to the other quite often. And even with all my gigs in Atlanta, I mean, I, I go there mostly because that's where my work takes me. But that's because the kind of work I do doesn't fly in smaller cities because there's just not that big of a demand for it. You know, I, I, I had a gig here in my backyard. I mean, it was five minutes from my house and it didn't work out. And for various reasons, but mostly because the business owners thought that trivia would save it instead of running their business appropriately. So in Atlanta, I have these opportunities to do karaoke, to do trivia, to do parties, to, to have this fun. So all the different places I've had to go to do Lyft, by the way, which saved my butt for a while. It really brought some great income into the house to be able to drive for Lyft. Now I can do that here in Conyers, but it took a while to get here. It starts in the big cities. That's where everything does start. And that's where the birth of life is to me. You have to have people to have life. People congregate and some will move away from a bigger place, but that's where things happen. That's where the advancement is. You know, I'm trying to get my brain straight on how, if I want to tell this chronologically or if I just want to randomly spew out my memories. But I got to tell you, creativity is one of the things I love about this city. So, so deaf records, man. Hip hop. Atlanta, Atlanta in the 90s was such a huge place for hip hop. And I'm sure there's still some great studios 
in Atlanta. And now it's moving into movies and stuff, but we'll get to that. Uh, Freak Nick was in was Atlanta, and they're actually bringing that back this year, I think. And I know people complained, but I remember watching, as a country boy, I remember watching the news reports on Freak Nick, and it was a negative spin. It was predominantly white news people. I mean... <sighs> That's something that is the South, okay? That's just something that you have to accept for the sake of the story, not for the sake of life. We do want to change things, but for the sake of the story, you just have to accept that is predominantly white. It's the South, even though I would dare say number-wise, especially at the time that I saw these things back in the mid-90s, blacks and whites were probably about equal in number, population-wise, to the state of Georgia. However, whitey controlled everything. That's that's just the way it was. Everybody on TV was white. Everybody on the news was white. And the, the stories were white against black a lot of times, and, and unfortunately. And I remember Freak Nick being on the TV, on the news, and, and they're talking about how it causes traffic. Because it was, it was a spring break type of thing where people would cruise their cars and they'd, they'd have the bass offs where, you know, how much bass can your car do? And they play music and and oh my god it's such a problem but i remember watching it but see the video they showed did not match up with the horrible story they're telling because the video i'm seeing people hanging out in the park having fun i'm seeing people enjoy music that you fucking whiteys don't understand but i get it now i for the record if you've never seen me or met me i'm a six foot six 350 pound white guy but i've never identified as white maybe i can get a skin graft and be you know be more i just am i'm multicultural i, I, I love different aspects of culture and i've always loved hip-hop and god damn it shut the fuck up about music and we'll take a little note here to go on a slight rant about well country music's the only thing out there oh no metal oh no jazz oh, fuck you it's all the same that's all flavors but music is creativity at its heart so if you have a good country song uh rap artists could cover that song we've actually proven that if you have a good metal song a violinist can cover that and make it still just as beautiful good songs good music translate easily so fuck you if you're gonna stick with oh i like this one thing and they called rap crap and did it metals all that noise i'm like then your head is up your ass is what it is so you know that's a little sore point with me but going back to i mean i did i loved it all i would go from listening to elton john to listen in, which my parents, as anti-gay as they were, they liked that I listened to Elton John and go figure. Uh, but I listened to Elton John and that could listen to Metallica, that could listen to Biggie Smalls, man, and it all flows. It's all good. And I love all kinds of music. So I'm watching these videos on the news. We were talking about the horribleness of, of the traffic and how they're locking down the streets. Well, fuck you. Every festival locks down streets in Atlanta. That's part of the life there. Mid music Midtown is coming up. Do you think you're going to get around that area very well? No. They actually have signs up last weekend already going, hey, Music Midtown is coming. Prepare for blockages. Prepare for stops. Prepare to go around. That's life. We have a, a, a festival in Centennial Olympic Park now every, I think it's either spring or fall, I can't remember, but it's the 420 Fest, which is not about weed, oddly enough, it's Sweetwater, a Sweetwater beer. And I guess it's in April, probably on 420, you know, it's actually a three-day weekend now. But getting around the park during that time, it, you're not going to do it. You have to find alternative routes. And that's the beauty of a city, and this is where traffic does play in, is like you can get around in different ways in a big city. You don't have to go this one route. Now, maybe that's the most convenient one for you typically, but today it ain't, and you're going to find another way. So back to Freak Nick. You know, they're, they're bitching about locking down streets, and but I'm watching these videos of people being happy, listening to music that I thought was good, that resonated with me, and having fun. And that's what I love about the city. The city didn't give a shit that the white man was reporting on them about, you know, oh, we got to make this go away because it was what it was. Now, I didn't live in the city then. I didn't get involved in that stuff then, as in going to Freak Nick. So people who were there might have some insight. They said, well, there was some downsides. Well, there's downsides to everything. My point is fear of the city is stupid. There always could be a better way to do things, always. I mean, I do things as best I can, and sometimes I can look back and go, well, there's a better way to handle that. There's a definitely, I, I did it fine. There was a better way to do it. I love the culture of the city. I think I, I love actually the skyline now. You know, I'm drive, I've driven into the city many times from many different angles, and I just love seeing the skyline. I love that in Georgia, it's, it's somewhat flat, so for a good ways out, you get to see the city skyline. You know, that's something I really love. 
enjoy. I love being able to go up. Oh, there's my city right there. As I come in, I know I'm good 15, 20 minutes away. I can still see it. Uh, that was one of the things I enjoyed when I went to New York City. Driving in from Philadelphia, we went up through New Jersey. And, I mean, a good 30, 40 minutes out, you can see the city skyline of New York City. And that and it's the iconic you know view that you get for all the different TV stuff. Atlanta, for me, is the same way. Is you can you can see the stuff. I don't know, it's just it's unpretentious to me. It's down home. I remember doing bear crawling show about eight years ago. I don't remember how we got on the topic, but we're I've always been gay friendly. Uh, well, okay, that's not true. I told a story about hating gays. I taught being taught to hate gays on the faith versus religion show in my controlled adult life, where I've become who I am. I have been gay friendly and. There was some something that came up, but the bottom line was Atlanta at the time, uh, and this is 2008, 2009, was the number like three or number four gay-friendly city in the U.S., and it was the number one gay tourist destination because they had so much awesome stuff for gay people to do. And the heart of the South, in an uh, area of the world that is definitely behind the times when it comes to segregation and when it comes to accepting people and i'm talking about the whole south not just georgia you know when in a in a section of the world that only section of the world you'll find the honey boo-boos and those kind of things they, they were the the fifth friendliest gay city in the u.s and they were the number one vacation destination that year for gays because of all the awesome stuff and acceptance that would happen in the city of like, how do you like that? One of the hearts of hip hop. So, so deaf. I know there's another record I can't, a record I cannot think of that was really big in Atlanta, but so, so deaf was definitely one of the huge ones for me. Uh, and there, I, I, like I said, I'm sure there's other record labels now still, but the heart of, of hip hop can also be the heart of forwarding. I, I don't know how to say it. Gay agenda. It's not agenda. It's uh, acceptance affording acceptance of a different lifestyle is crazy that way it's really cool i've got to tell you there i've never been in a place in atlanta where i felt out of place i've driven through some of the heaviest neighborhoods and actually i have a story about that but i've driven through some of the heaviest neighborhoods i've worked on the ambulance in atlanta for a little bit I, I've definitely worked a ton of gigs. I, I did Lyft, which takes you everywhere. And I would go down to Atlanta University area, which is just right there on I-20, kind of south side of town. And some people would call that a bad side of town. I never would. I was there. I was there at daytime. I was there at nighttime. And I definitely ran some drug deals. Not intentionally. But I was driving Lyft. I get called for a pickup. And the guy's like, hey, you know, here's, he wouldn't put in the address. A lot of people won't. It's not necessarily a shady thing. But he's like, hey, you know, here's, I'll, I'll get you over there. Okay. You know, sure. And we went over to this place. As soon as I pulled out, I was like, okay, this is a drug house. I know the signs. I mean, it wasn't like obvious anything. And nobody gave, no, and the thing is, nobody gave me the stink eye. White guy rolls up in a Honda Civic, and I kept it really, really nice because it's for Lyft, and I wanted to put, Good impression. I roll up and I made sure not to like be staring or be afraid. I was like, okay, man, I'll wait for you here. And he jumps out. He goes talks to somebody. They go into a house. He comes back. My car smells like weed now. And and we take off. And I take him right back to his house. And he's like, I'm sorry about the smells. Like, no, it's cool, man. You got to do what you got to do. I have no problems with you. We're good. You know, I, I, I never felt afraid. And they, they never gave me a second look. It wasn't like, what are you doing here, man? I've had zero, zero problems in the city. And that's something I love about Atlanta is that if you feel like you fit in, you fit in. I can go, there's a restaurant we have. I'm not sure if it's local or if it came to us from a, a, a close by state. Cause I gotta say, this has to be a Southern thing, but I'm not, I don't know if it's an Atlanta thing, but there's a, a and if I'm wrong about it being Southern, I'm surprised because it feels a very Southern restaurant, but it's called Cookout. And I was noticing at night when I'm driving drunk people home, that place was always filled. And honestly, it's 90% black people. And it was always filled after midnight, backed up filled. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try that one night. And I went in and I definitely, and it's really good food. I really, really enjoy it. There's, I think the billboard says there's 17 locations around Atlanta, and I've been to five or six of them. Moreland Avenue is definitely a black street. I mean, there's no way around it. It is, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to, th it, and that's where, the reason I say black versus white kind of thing here in this language of this story 
is because that's where fear comes from. That is, you, you, when you're white and you're out of the city, they don't want to say it out loud, but you're being racist to a point. You don't want to go in that, that section of the city. Why not? Well, because that's the bad section. Why? Because black people live there. Are you shitting me? Black people live. I mean, that, and it's never that many words, but I'm telling you, that is the vibe I got. That's, that's where the fear comes from. And not that there would never be problems. Of course, there'll be problems. And of course, there are race problems. It happens. It's still something we're dealing with in life. And I wish people would just understand we're people. But I understand we're people. And I put that forth when I go into a place. And so I've eaten, I love my favorite cookouts on Moreland Drive. I'm usually one of the only white people there. Nobody gives me a second look. Everybody's happy. Everybody's pleasant. It's great. And I love eating there. And that story could go a whole lot differently, but you know why it doesn't? It's because of me and how I view the city and how I view myself. I love that we're becoming the movie center, one of the movie centers of the U.S., if not in the world. You know, I definitely love that we have our own Pinewood Studios here, and I have to phrase it like that because I've learned that there's a Pinewood Studios in England as well. But I love that we have Pinewood Studios. I love that we have, uh, um, I just lost his name too. Uh, he did Medea and those kind of things, but... He he's a serious actor and he does the comedy stuff and he does a lot of Broadway and it'll come to me later. I know everybody out there is yelling at who it is, but I like that he has his own studio. Tyler Perry. I like that he has his own studios and that he does all this Broadway stuff here that you can, I've known people who are very, very good at singing and who, who are amazing at this stuff, who have been in some movies, who definitely are on the, the our own version of Broadway. We don't call it Broadway. We don't call it Little Broadway. I don't know what the insider term is for the production and plays of Atlanta, but we have a big scene for it here. And I know people who are in the Tyler Perry plays all the time. And I love that they don't need, they don't feel the need to go to LA to be in movies. They don't feel the need to go to New York and be on Broadway. They are happy and content with their career here and it is just as big and rewarding as if they went somewhere else they get the tv shows that are filmed here they get the plays that are written and performed here and you don't have to go somewhere else to do it that's something i love about the city i just it's the land of opportunity that's this is the last thing i'm gonna i think i'm gonna hit on atlanta no, 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 no. I started talking about how I had a bad story or a story about it. So when I first started in EMS, and I'll get back to the final thing I love about Atlanta, but I want to talk about the fear. And I think that's what that's what throws people off. Love and fear, man. They are not the same side, or the different sides of the same coin. They are, are bitter enemies. You can't have one and the other in the same place. You can't love the city and fear the city. You know, it, it's impossible. And there's a line. A Robert De Niro film, I think it's A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, but I could be incorrect on that. But the question that the young actor asks Robert De Niro's character is, is it better to be loved or feared? I honestly don't remember his answer. I think, it was, I think his answer was fear, and it's a great monologue and this and that and the other, or dialogue or whatever. But I remember the question, and I remember going through it myself and thinking, it's better to be loved, ultimately. Because when people fear you, they will they want to take out that source of fear because you, it's difficult to live in fear forever, and you can do it. But when you fear being fired, when you in a mafia situation or a gangster situation, when you fear being killed, when you fear, you have an inherent need to get rid of that. We have an instinct called fight or flight. There's a medical instinct to that as well. Fight or flight. Well, flight is the fear one. You can't stay in either mode all the time. It will kill you. It will imbalance you to the point that you're imbalanced. You know, you can't be healthy. So you cannot be in fear all the time. If you're feared as a commander, as some, as a boss, as a leader, if you rule by fear, you will lose the people because ultimately they have to be able to breathe. The animal instinct in them will come out. The self-preservation will come out. Neither you'll get stabbed in the back. Because if you rule by fear, you do things wrong. If you rule by love, you do things wrong. You're a human being. You will fuck up and do things wrong. But when you rule by fear, then they will look to overthrow you. They will look to stab you in the back. They will look to leave you. If you rule with love and you invest in people, and this is how I came to this whole conclusion, you invest in people, you can, you can fuck up all day long. You can do horrible things, and people will forgive you because they love you. 
People will make excuses for you because they love you. People will pick up the slack and cover for you because they love you. And I, I say those things, not that they're necessarily bad. Sure, there's definitely some good things, and it's kind. I've done it before. It's kind to, to give people help when they need help. But I say those things in a, an air of their wrong, their mistakes, because sometimes we do need to learn from our lessons. Sometimes we need to mess up and, and, and have the awakening that we need to get. And love will protect you from that. So sometimes it's not a good thing. But my point is, you can fear the city or love the city. I think that's what Bobby ultimately was asking. Or maybe he just didn't know where I'd go with it. And he asked me the question. And I love that he asked this question. And it's taken me a bunch of different ways. But I want to get back to this one negative story. Uh, it's not mine personally. So I, it's not. I just want to illustrate fear versus love. So when I first started in EMS, of course, I got a job in Atlanta. It was with a private company. And I was put, the fear was put in me by the people who trained me and by my parents and by other people around me. You don't want to go to Atlanta. Grady is the big hospital in Atlanta. Well, actually, we got a number of big hospitals, but Grady is the one that serves the poor people. It's in the heart of the city. It's close to the poorest part of town. And there's other different conversations to be had with that about how we could live equally, but we don't. But it, Grady serves the poor. And at that time, Atlanta Baptist served, in my mind, the rich white people. And it's, it's something else now. It's, I forget what it's called now, but it's not Atlanta Baptist anymore uh, or Georgia Baptist, whatever it's called. Uh, and there's other, there's Piedmont and there's Northside. And there's, there's other hospitals that definitely serves other areas. And nobody will out and out turn poor people away or black people away or anything like that because there's laws against that. Otherwise, they might. But Grady was known for servicing the rougher part of town. I don't actually know if this was true, but I was told, oh, you go to Grady, they issue a bulletproof vest because, you know, you get shot at. And and that put the fear in me. And, and fear comes from misunderstanding. And fear usually comes from lies, from people just perpetuating their perception or what they think instead of actual truth. Now, have paramedics been killed? I'm sure they have. Uh, have they been shot at? I'm sure they have. And there's some people who have told me specific stories that feel real. And I get that. But that's one story out of a thousand of their own stories. I don't mean one person out of a thousand. I mean one story, one experience out of a thousand that, that they've had. So the story that was told to me when I was working in Atlanta and why I should never go work for Grady, uh, besides the bulletproof vesting, which again, I don't know if they issued bulletproof vest or not. I have no idea. As a paramedic, the story went, there's this one neighborhood. They told me what neighborhood it was. I don't know now. And I'm glad I don't know now because the fear cannot be attached. I can go anywhere in the city and have no idea if I'm in the bad neighborhood or not. And I don't care. But the story was told that Grady would go in and, and service this area a lot, right? Because there were shootings and stabbings and blah, 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 and this and that and the other. And it does feel like crime was way worse in the 80s and 90s than it is now because either the news doesn't care about it, or you just don't hear about it as much. But I think we hear about the things. I mean, it's a 24-hour news cycle. I think things things have changed, albeit the police chief changed or the, the mayor or whatever happened. I don't know. Things definitely seem better in the city now than they were. But point is, the, the ambulances would go in there, and it's always dangerous. They had to have the cops. And they would get sh the ambulance could get shot at, and, they, you know, this, and that. they're telling these horror stories. But then as their stories went along – and I don't, again, don't know if this is true, but for the sake of the story, let's pretend it is true for sure so that you can see my point. Well, then there we call, there's a, a, a branch of APD, Atlanta Police Department, called the Red Dogs. And that's not their official titles, what everybody called them. But they were like the drug task force or the gang task force, or maybe that, that was the SWAT, but they were a special division. Everybody called them Red Dogs. Well, according to the story, the Red Dogs convinced Grady to let them use a couple of their ambulances for staying because at the time ambulances could go in and out because ambulances were safe. We're here to help you. It doesn't matter if you had a gang war and people were shot. You know, as long as the war is not going on right the second, the battle's not raging right now, the ambulance can roll in. Everybody backs off. We take care of the people. And we get out of your way. That's what the ambulance does. That's what it's supposed to do. According to the story, Red Dogs convinced Grady to let them use an ambulance. Maybe it wasn't Grady. Maybe it was just any ambulance. I don't know. But they used the ambulance to run raids and stings in these neighborhoods and try to get the gangsters and try to get the drugs or whatever it was they were trying to get. And it was a bad idea. It was a horrible idea. And as soon as they told me the story, I realized, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
So you're not telling me that it's bad to be a paramedic. You're telling me that somebody made a bad decision and took what was safe and made it a lie. So now everybody's a lie that goes through there. And now it's dangerous for us because they think that we're there to fuck with them. Is that what you're telling me? Well, yeah, well, no, yeah. no, that's, that's exactly, if the story is true, that's exactly what happens. The fear is not that you're not safe. The fear is that, that you're a lie. You know, that's, that's something that, that really anything that you're afraid of is you just have to look into the reality of it. Let's look at it for real. Let's get facts. Let us see what feels right. What feels truthful about it? Because while I was taught to hate the city and to be afraid of it and to be afraid of traffic, that fear made it dangerous for me to drive in the city, in the traffic rather, because I was so scared I was overreacting to things and I wasn't paying attention because I was more focused on my fear than anything else. I never got into an accident in the city, thank goodness. You know, I appreciate that. And even since then, being in love with the city and going, traffic's nothing. There's been a few times I've almost gotten hit. It happens. I didn't get hit because I'm safe. Or because the time wasn't right for me to get a new car, whatever you know, whatever else is going on in the universe. But now that I love the city, yeah, things can happen. That doesn't doesn't change. But taking out the fear gives the city a whole new light. Man, it's a whole new light, and it's so much fun. But the last thing I definitely want to talk about with Atlanta and what I love about it is just the opportunity to be who you are, and the opportunity to make your money any way you want to make it and to to shine you know uh i didn't want to go to dragon con at first because the guy who introduced me to it when i was 18 years old was a long-haired druggy guy and i was uber religious keep that in mind at 18 i was still coming out of the church but i was still uber religious and f- scared of drugs and scared of people who did drugs and blah blah fears fears i mean that's a line from dune right fear is the mind killer and it is it, it fears the life killer, really. It will it will just keep you from having any kind of good experience. But the guy who told me about Dragon Con, he drank a lot. And I, this is comparative in memory. I mean, now I might be like, yeah, he was a cool guy. You know, he, he, he drank like anybody would at 21, 22 years old. He smoked weed. I don't, looking back in my hazy memory, I don't think he did more than that. But all I could see was, oh, my God, you're a druggie. You're an alcoholic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Leave me alone. Oh. <laughs> so the way he introduced Dragon Con to me at the time is four hotels, three or four hotels. This is, again, mid, uh, mid-90s. mid He's like, oh, it's like a huge geek party. And he talked about people dressing up, which I could not fathom. Why would you, as an adult, put on a costume for any reason? I could not get past that. It, it, it made me think bad thoughts about people. Like, ah, oh, uh, judgmental. And they talk about how you just stay drunk the whole time. And you could, at the time, you could go through the hallways. And I guess you couldn't go to the panels and stuff, but you could go around Dragon Con and enter the areas and see people and, and party and go from room to room. And none of that sounded good to me at all. Dressing up? Fuck that shit. Daddy doesn't dress up for anybody. I hate that. And I, I don't. But I'm not judgmental about people who do now. I appreciate the good costumes that people do. And I can appreciate people who want to do costumes. I no longer think you're fucking weirdos. But I did then. But I, I have zero desire to dress up. I then had zero desire to get drunk at all, much less stay drunk for an entire weekend with no sleep. I mean, that was his thing. Now, I don't, it's exaggerated. I know he's probably fucking with me a little bit because of my reactions to him at the time. But basically, he talked about how you stay up for three days partying and this and that and the other. And it it just sounded horrible to me. And and I'd never been to a five star hotel either, or a three star hotel for that matter. The only hotels I'd ever been to in my life and my experience were like holiday inns. So I'm picturing in my mind like a Holiday Inn style place that somehow you're a motel, really, that you're going around and, and part. This just feels dirty. It feels weird. I don't want to do that, man. And I just was so turned off by Dragon Con and the concept of that was pitched to me that I just fucking weirdos is what I thought the whole time for many, many years. And unfortunately, that's still what people outside the city still think. And not all of them, obviously, but there's definitely people who do that. And and now, even with acceptance, there's people who ask me, "Oh, did you dress up?" No, I don't. I don't dress up. It's not my thing. I don't. I have zero desire. It it. There's nothing there for me. But I definitely appreciate a lot of the good costumes. No, I go to perform. 
And that's the thing. I wouldn't have had the opportunities I have today if I, I didn't take that step out and go, okay, fine, I'll try it. And I, I stuck to the podcast track and, oh, I got to go to a Stargate panel that has not happened since. And that was awesome. And, oh, I got to meet, uh, I can't remember this, uh, Eddie McClintock, I think is who I met in the first year. And I got to actually meet him face to face and shake his hand. And that was kind of cool. And because I liked watching him on TV and, and it, it showed me all these different opportunities that were there. Now, also beyond Dragon Con, beyond that, the gigs that I do, the hosting stuff that I do, the opportunities are not as prevalent here in Conyers. They're not as prevalent in smaller towns at all. I get to go in and host a party almost every single night. If it's trivia, it's a little more down. People don't get as excited as I want them to and go, woo, and all that, but it's fun. They enjoy it. It's energy. It's music. And we have our own style of, of party that goes on. But every new gig that I get in Atlanta, and I get sent into a decent amount of new gigs in Atlanta, I get to walk in with karaoke. Oh, my God, man. It's so much fun because you get to walk in. And in this one gig I had recently that they didn't want to do it anymore because they wanted a certain energy and a vibe and we weren't providing it. And the guys were like, hey, can you go do this? We've talked them into to letting us try one more time. Can you try to do this? And at first, it sounded like they wanted me to be people's faces, which is not what I do at all. And that's not our, our booking company. That's not how we do things either. We, we're not the karaoke guy that comes and shoves the microphone in your face and gets all crazy and loud. And that's not our company at all. Our style is we're here, we're engaging, we're entertaining, we're fun, and we have the opportunity that is here for you to come have fun with us. That's how we do it. And so I went to this place, and it's down by Georgia Tech, which is you know college, a great college, actually, and lots of, lots of college kids. And what they wanted me to do was go and talk to them. Sure. So I go and actually have, for once, I have a stage area, which is unusual in these places. I have a whole big stage elevated area to myself. And I, I will go around to every table because nobody starts off thinking necessarily it, it, that they want to do karaoke until a place gets established as a karaoke place where that's where you go, oh, let's go do karaoke tonight. Until that happens, people don't go in thinking, oh, I want to go here to do karaoke they go oh hey i'm eating some great food what's going on over there and i'll go table to table and say hey of course we're doing karaoke you've got the songs but what would you like to hear right now we're building a playlist to keep everybody entertained we'll play anything if i have it and inevitably and i use spotify and inevitably they bring out their spotify list and sure enough because they see it i see it i put on the list oh thanks man that's awesome and so they get a personal song to hear and then that opens the door for me to joke with them about coming to sing and, and it warms them up and i go i do about two rounds of that do the first round as I first get started, I come around to every single table, every person that I can, and say, hey, what would you like to hear right now? And we start that list going. Then as that list goes on, I'll you know make some more announcements. I'll get up. If I need to, I'll get up and sing a song, which I only know like one song right now well enough to sing, and that's uh, Turn the Page by Metallica. And and I need to learn some more songs because if I'm going to have to kick off karaoke myself, then I have to learn some more songs because uh, otherwise you're going to hear the same one every week. But the first week it was, okay, I went around and then more people came in. I'm making more announcements. I got up and sang. Nobody else was coming to sign up. So I went around to the new people and said, hey, you know, we're doing karaoke, but would you like to hear a song? And, and inevitably someone's like, oh, they want to sing. And, and I'll joke with them and it warms up the crowd. And it's an opportunity to, to engage with people, to be entertaining, to develop my skills as an entertainer, to have to go in and do something different than what I'm used to. Because I'm used to be able to go into a karaoke place, sit up, say, hey, we're doing karaoke and boom, the line starts lining up this is not that i had to change my skill set i had to learn a different way to do it but what i love about it is it gave me the opportunity the chance to do that and it's such a different vibe in this place where they have it's going to be 50 50 i believe going forward they have a good time singing but they have a good time listening to music like oh my god somebody picked that out Woo! i mean they'll get up and they'll dance and this is a pizza place it's not like a club so there's not a lot of places to dance but they'll get up and dance so they'll interact with each other and it's a whole different thing and that is what i love about atlanta in a nutshell is that it's a whole different thing the opportunity is there for you to get what you want you can be a performer you can just go have fun you can connect with strangers of all different walks of life i'm telling you this one place that it's Georgia Tech. So you've got literally people from all over the world who are students here. I had somebody do karaoke in Chinese last week. Or I'm sorry, I'm being a little racist because I assumed she was Chinese. It's Asian. Okay, in Asian dialect. She came up. She sat with me while I actually looked something up on YouTube with her. And she helped me spell it. And she found what she needed. And she sang totally in an Asian language. 
and that was amazing. We that same night we had people speak uh, do songs totally in Spanish because that was their native language. It's easy for them, and the crowd ate it up. That's not something I get anywhere else, man. That's what I love about this city is everybody connected. Everybody loved it. Everybody. I mean, you they'll they'll play classic rock songs. They'll play hardcore trap music, which is is pretty heavy as far as uh, beats go and language goes. And it'll just be back and forth. And then they'll have the 90s stuff. And and it's just a place to come together and, and have the opportunity to be who you are. So that, Bobby, Black Wolf, that is what I love about my city and the opportunities that are there and the life that it affords me to have. So if you'd like to have your stories put in, if you'd like to have your questions, your your comments, everything else, like I said at the beginning of the show, please hit me up. I need to hear from you. I am so looking forward to that day. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to that day when I get that question that I never saw coming. And it it, it makes me reel for a second. It makes me stop and go, oh, my God, I, I don't know. And then I spend the next hour exploring where this question can take me and that will come from you so please send it to me bearcrawling at gmail.com go to rockgodapodcasting.com and there's a speak pipe it's a tab right there on the side you just click it say yes use my microphone and record your message we'll play it just like these questions i have today and and future questions we'll play it on the air if you email me we'll say hey susan b anthony wrote in which would be a miracle right (laughs) but susan b anthony wrote in and she asked this and we'll read it for you if you don't like the sound of your own voice or if you just want to make sure it's the way you want it written fine we'd love that again bearcrawling at gmail.com Go comment on my episodes. You can message the Facebook page directly. Facebook.com forward slash rock god of podcasting. That's where the comments can be. We'd love to have that. And Twitter's at rock god of pod. Because this, yeah, it's about me, but it's about you. That's the that's the dichotomy of life. Is in order to be connected, we have to be selfish. And I want you to ask me a question so I can tell you my stories. But in telling my stories, it gives you an adventure and it brings up stories in your own life. And you'll see how awesome sauce you can be. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.